how to be a millionaire. We're not talking about inheriting money. We are not talking about winning the lottery. We're talking about average Joe, average Jane, going from broke to living the life of their dreams on this week's episode of Success Convo. Welcome. I'm Ryan Ingle, entrepreneur, author. Just go ahead and Google me if you don't already know me. And I'm Kate Carlisle. I'm an attorney, blogger, and writer, Ryan's business partner for the past three years, and happy to be a part of the Success Convo podcast. We are thrilled to get this discussion on. This is actually one of my favorite discussions. Now, when we jump in here, we're going to go back and forth here. Kate has not been prepared for this one. I intentionally didn't even tell her. She's a little mad at me. I didn't tell her what we were going to be talking about. So I'm heading this one up, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I want to kind of catch her on her feet because this is one of my favorite conversations. Now, before we roll in here, I want you to understand that there are three things that you should never air out about your business. I want to see if you agree with this, Kate. All right. The first thing is your personal relationships. What you do with your spouse, significant other, whatever, you keep that to yourself. Completely agree with that. I think that that's so important. Number two is your income. How much money you're directly making and what streams you have coming in. Semi-agree with that. I think that we'll get to that a little bit later when we talk about your ability, your unwillingness to talk about your financial well-being and sort of your financial position. But generally, I think that's a good rule to live by. Fair enough. Number three, your next move. Keep that hidden from everyone. Always. Love it. Okay. So just want to throw those three things out because this is not about being uh, boastful. This is not about being a braggart. This is literally about having you kind of get a better mindset on financial intelligence and improving your life. Because let's, let's be serious. There's only two ways to look at money. One is time. Okay. So it's, the, it's your time here and what you do with it. And two is material possessions. And what we're interested in here is number one, our time here and how we can impact. The three paths, the three paths that you can be on when it comes to money. You ready to do this? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Let's rock this. So let's jump in. We'll talk about the, we'll go from worst to best. The first path is the path of the sidewalker. Here's the definition. No matter how much money you make, you always match it with what you spend. Sidewalkers can even be millionaires. We're talking athletes, actors, actresses. They have zero financial intelligence. It's like the actor that you see that's on the street working see movies and living in an apartment. How does somebody that's brought in that much money now go flat broke? And that's because they're living on the sidewalk. This comes down to sheer financial discipline and intelligence. And we're not taught money in school. No, and that's one of my pet peeves. Going back to, I mean, we're taught how to count. We're taught our ABCs. We're taught how to read. We're taught how to count money, but we're not really taught ever how to save money and how to spend money wisely and invest it properly. And as a result of that, we're going into our lives completely blind. How can we be expected to make sound financial decisions when we're never taught those core skills that we need? Exactly. I mean, that comes from the home life. And if your parents aren't financially in tune or don't have a a good investment strategy, you're likely to fall under that same trap. And honestly, this pisses me off. Why couldn't we be taught a little bit on how to save? I mean, I can remember the first time I picked up an Apple device. This is back in 2003. I picked up my first Apple iPod and I thought, man, this is this is going to change the world. I didn't even know where to go with the company was a stock share or anything like that. Could you imagine if I would have invested 10000 in there? These are things that we were never taught. Basic investment patterns and strategies, basic saving tactics, and I believe wholeheartedly that it's 100% intentional. We were taught that so that the 1% 
can basically control us because money is a control element. That's very true. And I can remember from the earliest ages, I was probably about five or six, I would go over to my grandparents' house and my, my grandmother loved, she was obsessive, obsessive about following the stock market. And I can remember just going over and watching her watch the TV and the ticker tape go up and down. And like, I never understood what it was about. Nobody ever told me what it was about. And to this day, I regret that so much that everything I know about finance and money, I've had to teach myself because nobody did it for me. You sure she knew what it was about? I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is my point. These are these are things that we don't understand. Now, I do have the best advice that I can tell you because I have been on the sidewalk. I was on the sidewalk so many years. I always outspent what I was making. I would spend my money before I even had it. Biggest thing I can tell you, pick up Dave Ramsey Total Money Makeover. Start listening to Dave Ramsey. I have sent that to so many of my friends. It's probably my most gifted book, actually. It is my most gifted. It helped them get their life straight because I mean do you know anybody who's paying off one credit card with another credit card I do and Sigma. can I drop a credit card tip here yeah do it this is something that I actually was taught by a very close friend of mine um, probably around college age I hadn't gotten a credit card up until that point and I was I didn't think it was smart to get a credit card I just intuitively it felt wrong to me to be spending and buying things on credit but to this day I have one credit card and the only thing I do with it is that's what I pay my Netflix account with I pay it off on time, so I'm building credit, but I'm not living on credit. I do not buy a single thing with my credit card. Everything goes on my debit card or is paid for with a cash or check, not anything on a credit card. And I highly recommend that. What do you think, Ryan? It's a very smart move. It's a very smart move. Now, I'm such a big Dave Ramsey listener that he always has an argument for anybody that calls in, and he can rip the credit card companies apart, and he always comes down to the fact that why would you need it? If you cannot buy it in cash, you cannot afford it. And I'm over on that side. I'll of take that one further. I'll say if you have to worry about the price tag, you should not be buying it. Okay. I agree. After I paid my school loans off back in 2012, all I cut all my credit cards and everything. I've never had credit ever since. It's a very good feeling to be liquid and solvent. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. I, I'm proud of that until I actually, I wanted to get an Amex to do what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, something similar to that. I got rejected for the Amex because literally they have nothing to base it on. Oh no. It's been so long <laughs> any credit. No, I mean, yeah, you can run into certain problems and you might need to get a line somewhere. But again, I mean, I'd rather build that solvency. So let's jump in. Let's talk about the number two path. This is the path that I think that everybody's bred for. This fuels my fire on us not being taught any financial knowledge. Here it is. It's the slow lane. Go to school. Invest in your company's stocks, only the ones they allow you to. Hope it grows by 10% annually. And then maybe you get that good pension by the time you're 50 or 60. This is a place where six-figure salaries end up, where they have the pressures coming in from both sides, employees and employers that they're handling and managing. This is a very bad place to be. In my opinion, it's the worst. I'd rather be on the sidewalk than hanging out in the slow lane. You know what I call the slow lane? What? The midlife crisis lane. Why is it midlife? Because, well, you'll get to this in a little bit, but it's it's the lane that you sort of trudge along in until you reach a certain point, usually about your 40s. Some For some, that hit it late and fit in their 50s, and they realize that they've been sucked into something that they don't want to be a part of. They've spent their life sort of building up goodwill and building up equity that's actually it's all a farce at the end of the day. And they've been led to believe something that's not actually there. Well, the reality is it's like selling your soul for 40 hours a week to your company. You're living for the weekend. The biggest thing I hate is TGIF. I cannot stand TGIF because that is basically throwing up a flag saying, I'm not doing what I want five days a week. I'm doing what I have to do five days a week. Your life Life's energy is getting sucked away to build someone else's dreams. You agree with that? 
I do. I do. And one of the hallmarks of the slow lane is that oftentimes, and I've worked for companies like this in the past, where they want you to make, where we were talking about the sort of extravagant purchases that the sidewalkers make because it perpetuates the cycle. You get so stuck in that job, you can't leave it because you need a way to fund those purchases that you're making. And so you're just stuck. You're going sort of plodding along in your day to day, but you've got no way to get out because you've trapped yourself. Buying things that you don't need to impress people that you don't care about. That nice car, those shoes. Let me tell you a horror story. My last neighbor, his son was 17, was a senior in high school, and he never had straight A's. He never made honor roll. And this year he was going for honor roll because his father, who was my friend, that neighbor, promised him something. A pair of Jordans. A $250 new pair of Jordans that he wanted. I thought, what a horrible way to incentivize and teach your son. Jump through all the hoops you can. Credential. Get yourself straight A's so that you can then get a pair of $250 shoes just to to fit them all. That was awful. But let me tell you my wake up call from the slow lane. So when I was a police officer, so police officers get their pension after 20 years. I was one year on and I was walking outside of the academy from an in-service. As a police officer, you get called back to the academy so you can keep your shooting sharp, keep your driving sharp. So you're always having to train something new. And I went back and it was my first year, you know, I'm outside, I'm on the street, I'm on my own. And I bumped into an old colleague. Now I didn't know this, but the day of my in-service was actually my one year anniversary on the force, on the street. And he said, I bumped into this colleague of mine and he said, hey brother, 19 more years till the good life. And I looked at him and I said, what do you mean 19 more years to the good life? He said, well, it's our one year anniversary. We've had one year here. We got 19 more years to go then easy street, baby. We'll be collecting that county check. That 19 years we're talking about, that's my life. That's my goals. That's so scary. That's my goals. That's my impact. That's what I want to do, what I want to leave to this world. That's the mentality that you have. Settle. Settle for 19 years so I can get a pension. Here's the facts. Your company wants you to die. We would joke about it in police world. You know, we'd be like, oh, we're going to live till we're 80 so that we can keep getting those government checks. They want you to die. How sick is that? You're a number and they hope that you die. And that's what you're giving your life's work to. It's not going to work for me. I, I, I knew, I knew that was my defining moment that this wasn't going to be for me. The slow lane. Did you finish your points on it? I did. But do you want me to talk about what I think will kick you out of the slow lane? Hell yeah. All right. So I don't think it's financial intelligence. I think that's part of it. But Mm -hmm. I think the bigger issue and the reason that so many people get stuck in the slow lane is because they're forced into a career that they don't really care too much about. They went to school. They majored in psychology. They don't really know what to do with themselves. And so they go and get some sort of analyst job and they sort of plot along and they don't really have any skills that they've cultivated. They don't have anything that they were passionate about. And so they're stuck in that slow lane because they have nothing to force them out into the fast lane. You need a passion. You need something greater than your yourself that you care about, something that makes you want to get up every day and gets you excited. That's what's really going to break you out of that slow lane and take you into that next level. That was actually very well said, which is also the same reason why the slow lane is actually the best place for most people. Obviously, the sidewalker is a very dangerous place, you know, but the slow lane, it's got you set up on a track. And sure, you know what? You're selling your life. You're selling your time away. But it will allow you to have a roof over your head. It will allow you to to do certain things and have certain freedoms. Why do I hate the slow lane? Why is that the worst possible place? Why would I rather be on the sidewalk? Well, to reveal that, I want to talk about the fast lane. The fast lane is the fast way to money. The way to double up, triple up, 10x, wildest dreams. You can exponentially boom and grow. Which, to be frank with you, I've done over the years. We've done this in business. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, let me talk about how you do it. The more you give, 
the more you get. Now, <laughs> that sounds so silly because growing up and even when I was in my career position, even at age 25, I didn't really know what that meant. You hear that all the time. You got to give back. You got to give back. But what does that actually mean? Does that mean that if I have $100, if I go and give a dollar to everybody in my neighborhood, it's going to come back to me? No, you're going to go broke. And I never really thought about it other than the very simplistic, visceral, actual doing it that way. But the reality here is it comes down to how you give back that value. Imagine if I had an ab pill. I created a pill, RE Fitness, for example. I go into my kitchen. I create some magic formula, a supplement that's actually worth a crap. Imagine that. I create an ab pill that literally does what it says it's going to do, and it's going to shred your abs up. You know, Granted, I protect my venture using your help, and we, we patent it, and we start selling it. Imagine how well we do. What was that? $100 million easy first year. Oh, no An question. ab pill. Okay. Think how many people would pay to have a pill that they could take that would just give them abs like that. I'd be popping them mofos like Skittles. <laughs> okay. Now, <laughs> and you know, you could eat whatever you want and here you got an ab pill. Now, boom, I'm rich. Two things are happening. One, I'm rich. And then two, everybody that uses it is happy. We're all super healthy. You know, we got, we can run faster. We've got no abdomen fat. Here's the key. What would it take for me to be able to create that ab pill? I would have to know advanced chemistry. I would have to know anything and everything about the supplement niche markets. I would have to know uh, where to get high-end herbs, possibly. Or you would just need to have the wherewithal to put together a really good team of people, each of whom knew something about each of those areas, but no one of whom knew everything. And that way you have a collaborative effort that gets you to the top faster. And that's why you get the big money. <laughs> so you have to be able to develop yourself. That's the key. The key is to develop yourself. The more you know, the more that you learn in your market, the more that you develop and learn about your passion, the more you can give back. But things are competitive. And this is for the listeners. This is for me. This is for you. How many hours have you burnt this week on Netflix? Look back at your last week only. How many hours have you burnt doing things that weren't developing yourself, doing things that were directly hurting yourself and burning that time away because that's exactly what most people do and why the slow lane is better. Most people cannot and do not have the discipline to develop themselves up. One of the only reasons that, for example, RE Fitness is successful. For the last 15 years, I have mastered this, mastered this nutrition game, mastered actual things that are gonna help people. I have been training hard since I was a sophomore in high school. And, and at the same time, I was always trying to learn from people and also trying to help other people do the right thing, which is why my business is where it's at now. But think about it. There's people that just have great genetics and then they want to go and push programs, but they haven't built themselves up to a point. The mathematics don't work out. The customer is never going to be happy. They don't give back properly. It all goes caving in and they wonder why it didn't happen. They think that they don't have to educate themselves on their topic. They just want to make sales. It never happens that way. Those people are stuck in the slow lane or the sidewalk because they haven't developed themselves enough. 10,000 hours is what it takes to master a topic. It's roughly five to 10 years, depending on how fast you can absorb knowledge, retain the skills, and then deliver those skills, make it interesting, how hard it is to market, get yourself out there, for example. All of these little skills that take a lot of time in the labs. I mean, behind computers, we're in the physique world, a lot of time in gyms before you start seeing those ripples in your arms and your abs and everything. One thing that I think a lot of people get tripped up on is they don't know where to start with skill building. 
they think, well, I'm not good at something that I can clearly monetize. So what do you think someone should do if they're trapped in the system? They are stuck and they want out. What do you, what would you advice would you give them? I think one, one thing that I would really focus on is not to get too wrapped up in needing to do something new and different. I think people get so fixated on the fact that they've spent their life doing one thing and they're, they feel like they're not good at anything else, but they don't think about the things that they do on a day-to-day -day basis that actually make them happy like that they actually enjoy. So if it's woodworking or if it's building skateboards or if it's computer programming, you may not do that for your job. And so it's not the, it's not top of mind, but it's something that you really enjoy doing. And there is a way to monetize it. If you're, you can think creatively and do a little bit of research, you can monetize anything. And so turning those hobbies or sort of little pastimes that you're really passionate about into bigger passion projects can really make a difference and that can help get you off the slow lane very quickly. I'm a big fan of the hustle and work your butt off mentality. One of the reasons people don't monetize is because it takes work to figure that part out. One of the things I don't like hearing is to just follow your passion. I think it's, I think it's very empty advice. Think about this crazy fact. There are so many very good YouTube videos with 20 views, 30 views. Why don't they have more? Because people haven't done the hard part that comes along with it. I think any passion, any passion project is gonna come with a whole lot of suck with it. You have got to dig in and you've got to learn how to promote. You've got to learn the ranks of how things work. You've got to put in the groundwork of collaborating, going outside of your shell. You can't just do your passion. You've got to find out how to get it out there, which is very, very hard. And markets are extremely competitive. But if you don't want to do that hard work that comes along with that passion, you ain't going to go anywhere. And I think that's important is for people to be realistic with themselves too. Like sometimes the slow lane, while it has a pejorative connotation and people think, oh, slow lane. After hearing this discussion, they might think, I don't want to be on the slow lane. I need to get out. It might be an appropriate place for some people. If you've got a family to support, if you've got obligations that in some way th that makes you happy. A lot of people, their time with their family is incredibly important to them and rightfully so they wouldn't trade that for anything. But you know what? Slow lane might be the place for you because you need a way to support your family. And if you pursue your passion and it takes you a while to monetize, it might create a lot of stress and tension and difficulty at home in supporting your family. You might have a lot of trouble with that. So just because we call it the slow lane, I think it's important to be realistic with yourself about which path, not only which path you want to be on, but which path you should be on. I couldn't agree more with that, but I do have another point. If you're listening to this podcast, it said how to be a millionaire. <laughs> That's and true. You obviously have taken the initiative to want to be here and you're here at the, I want to know if you got to this marker. I want you to tell me that you got to this marker. Whatever this minute marker is, I want you to tell me that you got to it. Because this is very important. If you're here, you want out, which means you got to put that work in. It's just like anything else. What do I tell my fitness clients, for example, when they don't want to eat that chicken or they don't want to eat those eggs or they've had, they have an extremely busy schedule and they can't get to those three workouts a week? I tell them you might have to man or woman up. You might have to put that work in. And honestly, that is a bigger point. I'm not here to blow pipe dreams at people than sell you on a course that's going to make you a millionaire. That's not why I wanted you to listen to this. The reason you made it here in this podcast is because you want something more. You want something bigger. It's in every one of us. Even if you're on that sidewalk, you still want something bigger if you're here. I want you to know that 
it's never too late. And I really hate sort of these snippets that you get about success stories, people who like were overnight successes because nobody's an overnight success. I think that's complete BS. But I saw something, um, it was came up in my Facebook newsfeed about Simon Cowell, who I have, I think we all have our own perspective on Simon Cowell and whether we like him or not. But just so everyone knows who he is, he's the dude from American Idol. American Idol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so I saw something about Simon Cowell and how when he was 32 years old, he was flat broke, had $5 and like 30 cents to his name, basically nothing. And he used that last little bit of money that he had to take his mom in a cab to his dad's house and was hoping and praying that the cab fare wouldn't be more than the $5 and 30 some odd cents he had in his pocket. He's He was 32 at the time. And today his net worth is $550 million, which to me is incredible. And I found that just so inspiring, just knowing that Age really is nothing but a number. I mean, if at 32, you're broke and, you know, what, 20, 20 some odd years later, 20, 30 years later, he's now got 550 million, half a billion dollars to his name. I mean, that is a true sign that anybody can do it. I was very inspired when you told me that. And and even the road that I've been on and the road that you've been on. Um, I, I'll admit you're, you're a lot more strong-willed and even-tempered than I am. How many times have you scooped me off the ground, keeled over in this journey? I, I have been knocked out with work. My eyes, bags, e- every single project or venture path that we go down. There are so many rabbit holes that I get lost in because that just comes with the territory. I've been forced graphic designer, forced web designer, forced copywriter. I learned this stuff by getting it on the street. In business, we call it the street MBA. You spend money. And I have been knocked out so many times. You have been there to pick me up. My dad's been there to pick me up. This is going to happen. You're going to get knocked out. But it doesn't matter how old, as long as you want it bad enough. Unless you're going to win the lotto or get inheritance, this is the path to becoming self-made. It's the path to making millions. I never thought in my wildest dreams, if I was 18, that I would be where I'm at now. I got burned a lot, a lot of pain to get here, and it never stops. Setting this podcast up and figuring out how to get these MP3 files off here because things just changed with my last Apple update was a two-hour crunch. And I have this focus right piece that I've never used before. And honestly, the funny thing is every time you push past and break your threshold a little bit more, it's just like the muscle fibers tearing. And it takes a lot more to knock you down. I get back up every single time. My skin's very thick now. I swing and I hit a lot more than I miss now. But yeah, I'm still going to miss. Still going to get my ass handed to me. And Kate, hopefully, will still be there to pick me off the ground Always. when I'm when I'm crying. I mean, that's that's how we roll. And that's, what, that's the inspiration that I want people to have is that you want to break out of that system. You want to realize that you weren't taught financial intelligence. Go grab some Dave Ramsey books. Educate yourself and develop yourself. Follow that passion. But understand that passion ain't going to get you anywhere unless you're willing to do that hard work with it. So is it takeaway time? It's big takeaway time. I'm going to let you take the big takeaway first. Really? Um, I think my big takeaway here is that if you're not sure where to start, you don't know how to get how to get yourself off the ground here, you've got the most powerful tool right in your purse or your pocket or sitting on the table in front of you, and that is your smartphone. You're listening to the Success Convo podcast. You've got mentors. Any little bit helps. Read for five minutes a day about something that you know nothing about, and chances are the juices will start flowing, ideas will start coming to you, and everything will fall into place if you're willing to put in the work and start learning about things that you know nothing about. Awesome. 
Bill Gates, richest man in the world. How many of you guys follow him on Facebook? How many of you guys have him as the C first? Hopefully you guys have Ryan Engel Fitness as a C first as well. But how many of you guys have also put Bill Gates as the C first? I have. I see all of his posts. We have mentors that are right here. YouTube is there for us. I've watched every single speech that Steve Jobs has ever done. I've watched it multiple times. Sometimes I do cardio when I listen to that. It motivates me. So the mentors are right there. That's an excellent point, Kate. And we all have iPhones. Well, we should. Some of us have droids. <laughs> I taught Kate to finally get an Ryan's iPhone. Ryan's got a, a very strong bias like a, for, <laughs> in favor of Apple products. Big fan of Steve Jobs. So I, I just stay true. I stay true. You're just a hater on anybody who's not an Apple fan. Maybe so. <laughs> but I keep that hate to myself. I'm not mean about it. Now my big takeaway, my grandmother is 102 this summer, Lulu. She raised me. Um, if you guys don't know her yet, you'll get to know her soon. I'm, I'm hoping to do some vids with her. Uh, she's, she's 102 and still drives. That's scary. You want fear? Riding her passenger seat. She doesn't go slow. She just put her. Puts she's her, on the fast lane. <laughs> she's on the, the, yeah, she's on light speed and she just puts her foot down and he'll scare the hell out of you, right? So Lulu, she is very, very wise. We had a conversation. And I started to tear up because this conversation meant so much to me. And when I was on my journey of trying to get financial freedom, I went to visit her and she grabbed my hand, you know, because I was going through a lot of stress. <laughs> Lulu told me, Ryan, I will love you not one iota less if you have no money. When this is over, we're dust. So Lulu has a very agnostic sense. She believes that when this is over, we don't know what's out there. We're space dust. So it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much impact you have. But see, I think she was wrong. And I said, Lulu, this table right here, and there was a, a formica or wood table we were sitting at. I knocked at it like this. And I said, see this table? Someone made this table. Someone created the first table. Are they dead? Are they still with us somehow? Because I believe that you can live on through the people that you affect and through the inventions and lives that you change, which is why it's very important to me. Take away millionaire. And, you know, pardon my French here. I don't give a fuck about the money. Take away that. What do you leave? That's the important thing here. The reason that we are sitting here and able to talk on this device is because some soldier decided to attack a valley when he didn't know it was on the other side. The time of dragons, the time of early civilization, when they didn't even know why the sun was coming up and going back down. Because brave men search for those horizons. That's why you have to do it. And that's what drives me. Love it. I love it. That was our big takeaways, guys, which is the theme of Success Convos. Every Tuesday, Success Convo launches. I thought Kate rolled with this one pretty well. <laughs> we, I caught myself up. You kind of dropped a fast one on me there. But. I did. We're not doing rehearsals. We, I want this to be as raw as possible, and I want to try to tap that advice at its core. And I think, you know, you're not going to get it from somewhere else. You're going to get it from the core if you just roll into it. So I really appreciate you guys downloading this podcast on iTunes, listening to it, giving us discussion points and feedback. This is a discussion. It's success convo. It's, it's everybody involved. So thank you so much. We're only going to ramp up. And the skill sets we're talking about, the powerful tips, everything, we're going to just get serious. This is going to be one of the most raw, serious places that, that Kate and I ever post our stuff. It's going to be somewhat of journals. As we're, as we're rolling. And it's everybody's. This, this, this success convo, in my opinion, is anybody that listens to us and rolls with us. We own this. Well said, Ryan. I can't wait for the next episode. And maybe it'll be my turn to pull a fast one on you. Deal. Catch you guys on the next episode of Success Convo every Tuesday. Thank you for listening.